We've come to the fourth Sunday of Advent, and I, uh, as I was laying out the four Sundays, I came across my acrostic, which I made up for myself. Uh, the acrostic is PAMS, P-A-M-S, so like the spray and just in plural. PAMS, the first Sunday of Advent, is prophecy and prediction. And we talked about how God had announced hundreds of years ahead of time the coming of Messiah, especially in the prophecy of Isaiah and of Micah, even of Jeremiah. So prophecy and prediction is the first Sunday of Advent. The second Sunday of Advent is the is letter A. That would be angels, where angels to, came to announce the coming Messiah, as Gabriel announced to Zechariah in the temple and to Mary in Nazareth, and then finally to Joseph to say, you should take Mary to be your wife. So there's the angels. The third Sunday was actually this pink candle, which reminds us pink being a favorite female color, uh, to be, remind us of Mary carrying the Christ child. And so M for Mary, and then finally the S, the S. What would the, uh, the good, you can say Savior, and that's not a bad guess, but um, somebody was out in the fields watching their flocks by night. Anybody have a guess? Shepherds. Excellent. You guys are great, great students. So the fourth Sunday of Advent reminds us of the shepherds. And we're going to talk about them this morning. So as we get going, uh, let me go ahead and offer up a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you to be in this house of worship today. Thank you that we can lift up Jesus with our songs and with communion and by offering you our, our tithes and our offerings so that we can see your word spread throughout the world. Lord, we pray now that um, our hearts and our minds would be open and attentive to what you want to say to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be our teacher and our illuminator. Lord, take the scriptures and make them come alive to each of our hearts. Speak to us right where we are. And Lord, we pray that as a result, we would draw near to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, last week we saw that Mary and Joseph, that young couple in Nazareth, Nazareth, by God's providence, they were obligated by none other than the Roman emperor himself, Caesar Augustus or Octavian, to go on this road trip, this eight to 10 day journey south from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And we saw them arrive there and there being no room or no guest room for them. They, they went to a, a nearby shed or a stable or a cave and there, Mary gave birth to Jesus, the Christ child. And so now, the, the next event in the Christ story is the idea that, the, that God's angels got so excited about the uh, birth of Jesus that they could not contain themselves. And so they had to tell somebody nearby. And it's very interesting who they went and, t and told. We see that the Christmas story... There are all these plot lines that are coming together. There's a, this love story between Joseph and Mary. There's the adversity that Joseph and Mary went through, first of all, to actually marry one another despite the uh, unexpected pregnancy, uh, the virgin uh, pregnancy of Mary, and then their travel to Bethlehem and the difficulties they had there, and they overcame all that. There's the plot line of the politics of this despot who was ruling Israel at the time named Herod. He was the Herod not so great, uh, and he was a paranoid usurper of the throne. He was a wicked king who tried to kill anybody who tried to challenge him for the rulership of Israel, including executing three of his own sons. 
So now that Jesus is born, now that uh, the Christ child has arrived, who does God choose to tell first? So this week we're going to be looking at what I'm calling a surprise visit. A surprise visit that during that first Christmas, God used some of the most unlikely people to accomplish his purposes. So now we arrive out in the fields beyond Bethlehem, uh, out in the fields where the shepherds were. I don't know if you guys have taken a trip east uh, from here. Yesterday, my wife and I went to Sacramento to celebrate the birthday of our nephew named Max, turned 20, and we got to celebrate as a family and spend some time with them. On the way there, once you get uh, down Highway 101 and you turn on Highway 116 and it turns into Lakeville Road, there are a number of fields out there. Lisa and I looked over to our right and then we looked over to our left and then to our right again and there were fields and they were wide open and there were sheep grazing in the fields and then Lisa says, oh, look at the little lambs. And it was like a, it was like a living version of what I pictured Bethlehem would look like if you took away all the city and all the, the lights and all the vehicles and cars and just looked out on the field themselves. It actually looked very quiet. It looked, for me, who's used to a lot of stimulation, you know, radio and cars and lights and uh, social media and all that stuff, it, it looked very plain. It looked very uh, quiet. It looked kind of boring, to be honest. Uh, like, uh, really? That's their job. They had to do that all day and all night. Wow. Would anybody want to trade with them? No, thank you. Not me. Um, so here's this blue-collar group of men in our story, the shepherds. He continues to reveal himself, our God, first to Mary, then to Joseph, then to the Magi, these at least three men, or we think they're three men because they gave three gifts to the Christ child once they arrived to Bethlehem, these three magi. I don't know, it's confession time. I was looking at that graphic and you see, you see the, the, the magi going to, to uh, try to arrive to Bethlehem to give their gifts to the Christ child because they said, we've come to worship him. And I looked at it and there was a, a guy on a camel, a guy on a camel and a guy walking. And I said, what happened? Did the camel like throw a shoe or something? You know, why was the guy walking his camel? I just, it just occurred to me, like, I don't know why, but uh, maybe give the camel a break. So they've been traveling these magi for months now to worship the newborn king. And so now who's next on the announcement list? Who's the next person to hear the good news about Christ the Savior being born? Is it the Roman emperor, Octavian? No. Is it the Roman governor in Syria, uh, whom Luke names as Quirinius? No. Is it King Herod? That's a big no. He had no love at all for anyone to be a rival to his own power. To whom, to whom then would God share the good news of his son's birth in Bethlehem? Well, we come to Luke's story uh, beginning in chapter 2 and verse 8. If you have those black Bibles in front of you and you want to follow along, uh, it's, in page one, it's on page 716 of those uh, pew Bibles there where you're at. Otherwise, you can follow along with me on the screen. Beginning in verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. So God introduces the, the, the next people in our story, the shepherds. Who were these guys? And how many of them do you suppose were on, quote, sheep guard duty that night? We know that these men were not exactly high up on the first century social ladder. One commentary writes about these shepherds. He says, these shepherds were despised people. 
They were suspected of not being very careful. This is kind of a nice way to word. I think it was probably a British writer, the way they understate things. It says, these shepherds were suspected of not being very careful to, to distinguish between mine and thine. <laughs> I think they had a problem with stealing. For this reason, too, they were debarred from giving evidence in court. Their testimony was considered untrustworthy. In fact, these shepherds were on the social rung of the ladder in Jewish society. They were one level above the tax collectors. And that's not saying much. They were your typical blue-collar blue manual laborers. Their job wasn't exactly exciting. I mean, what are they, what's their job? Watching sheep. It doesn't take a lot of brain power to do that. It does take a whole lot of effort to be watchful at night just to stay awake. Now, maybe some of us can relate to the shepherds. Maybe you have a, a job that you wouldn't consider very exciting. Do you have a job that some people might find distasteful or might find mundane? Maybe, quote, your higher learning education is more like just the school of hard knocks. That's okay because maybe you weren't, quote, highly educated in some institution. Maybe you have uh, what's even better than a formal education. Maybe you have something called common sense. You, that can make you a whole lot smarter than some people who are academics because some of those people, honestly, are educated way beyond their intelligence. These shepherds, these blue-collar guys, they were, quote, on the job. They were out in the fields watching over their flocks at night. Surprisingly, after Jesus is born in Bethlehem, God actually chooses to speak to them through his angels, through his messengers. God spoke to them. This is interesting. God spoke to them right in the middle of their workplace. What about you? Think about your own workplace. Think about if God spoke to you at your workplace and he says, I want you to represent me. I have a message for you and I want you to take it to the people around you. If God were speaking to you at work at your workplace, would you be ready would you be willing, if he spoke to you, to have influence around the, the people who are in your vicinity? You know, for some of us, our workplace could be our very best mission field. For most of these shepherds, they thought about that night before the angels came. It was just another dull, ordinary evening out in the fields, probably just trying to keep warm, perhaps gathered around a fireplace together. You know, the greatest challenge for them was probably just staying awake. Maybe like for some of you now. <laughs> it's your greatest challenge. It's a spiritual gift to stay awake. And it is, a, it is a victory sometimes. Until, you know, until this major divine interruption happens. And bam, and now this angel shows up and he invites the shepherds to go and greet not the sheep, not their lambs. He invites them to go and meet and greet the Lamb of God. Max Lucado says this, At first, it was just an ordinary night with ordinary sheep and ordinary shepherds. One minute, the shepherds were half asleep, and the next, they're rubbing their eyes and staring into the face of an angel. Because it says in verse 9, Suddenly, surprise, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. He said, do not be afraid. You know, when you read it in the Bible, when most people have an encounter with God or with an angel of God, 
Most of the people who have an encounter, they have one consistent response. It's very common to us human beings. When we're surprised by an angelic being, they were terrified. They were scared. In the King James Version, it said they were sore afraid. Have you ever been so afraid that you got sore? <laughs> they were extremely afraid. Like, what is going on? When Isaiah the prophet encountered God, his first reaction was to say, woe is me. He became immediately aware of his own sin. You know, they, they might have thought this, has God come to judge us? Has he come to punish us for all of our sins and wrongdoing? The psalmist says, Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? And the answer, the implication is nobody. So these shepherds needed a lot of encouragement just to keep them from cowering away in fear. And so to each one of them, God said, do not be afraid. You know, what happens to us? I mean, the shepherds, you know, in an ordinary night, expecting nothing but dull to happen, they, be, they came to a crossroads with God and God spoke to them in the middle of their workplace. What happens to us when we come to a crossroads in our lives? I think, too, that when we're facing change, when we're facing a, a, a change in our direction, a change in our, in our life's pathway, like these, these shepherds were just about to experience, I think that change almost always comes with a little bit of fear. You know, they, they, they talk about personality types and temperaments in the, in the realm of human uh, personalities, and they say, you know, some people are, quote, the early adopters. Some people uh, hear an idea and they like it immediately and they just say, that's great, let's go for it. They say they're like 15% of the human population are these early adopters. The vast majority of us are somewhere in the middle. They're like saying, look, I need some more information. I need to hear about this a little more. I need to process this. I need to think about what are the ramifications if I adopt this change of direction in my life. And then there's the, on the backside, if you look at a kind of a bell curve, there's another 15% and they're like the resistors. They're just like, you know what? Change, forget it. I don't like change. I may not like my life right now, but I'm used to it. I know what to expect. It's miserable, but I know what's coming, right? <laughs> a change could be for the better and they're still resistant to change. So a change is coming for these shepherds and it brought fear but when the change was coming, the, the great news was the angel stayed with them. He told them, do not be afraid because he was going to announce something that was going to change their fear into faith. He's, the angel said this, verse 10, I bring you good news, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. So Jesus, God the Son, I, what, what I think the angel is saying, and he, and he says it very simply here, but the way I interpret is Jesus, who is God the Son, has now stepped from the throne and he's taken off his robes of light, representing his holiness. He's taken off his robes of light and now he's donned a robe of skin. Operation Redemption is now underway. And to these shepherds, you know, the, the greatest part about these shepherds to me is they were the first people to hear the good news because it says this good news that will cause great joy, it is for all the people. If he goes to the shepherds first, what does this say about our God? To me, it says that our God is for everyone. 
Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for the rich. Yes, Jesus is for the up and outers. Jesus is for the down and outers. He's for the middle class. He's for the poor. He's for the powerful. And Jesus is also for those who are marginalized, those who are powerless. You know, months earlier, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and announced that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, and Mary, you know, runs over down to Judea and visits her cousin Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth says, hey, uh, my, my baby leapt in my womb when I realized that the mother of my Lord was coming to visit me. And then Mary goes off on this great praise to God in Luke chapter 1. And beginning in verse 51, he says, she says these words about God. Remember, talking about God is for everyone. God is for every person in society, not just for the well-to-do, not just for the powerful. Look what Mary says. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. So one of the questions you can ask is, why did God choose these guys? Why did God choose these shepherds, the, the lowest rung of society, to be the, the recipients of the first message of the good news? I think that God chose these men from Bethlehem because they were more receptive to the coming of Messiah than would the religious leaders in Jerusalem. The more orthodox Jews of their day, they despised the shepherds for being unclean according to their standards, for being around animals all the time. And yet God, in contrast, God chose these shepherds to be the first witnesses of the birth of Jesus. They were chosen by God because God wanted to communicate his cleansing and his forgiveness, that that was now available to everyone, even, quote, the lowliest people, even people that people say, there's no way God would care about somebody like that. The fact is, the gospel story is that God cares about everyone despite his or her occupation or standing in society. The Lord chose these men to proclaim the birth announcement of his son. Do you remember when Jesus first launched his ministry? Remember he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. He stands up there on the Sabbath day in the morning. They unroll the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which by the way, they have a, a, nearly an entire copy of that still preserved that they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Could have been a very similar copy that Jesus was reading that first time when he started his ministry in Nazareth. And look at the words that Jesus said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to who? To bring good news to the poor. And then it's as, it's as if the angels in heaven, they said, you made your announcement, angel, I bring you good news, great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Lord, the Messiah. Once that angel makes that proclamation, now the angels, I can just see them, you know, they're watching and they're waiting. They're like, come on, finish, finish it because we got to say praise to God. We got we to gotta break out. We got to burst forth in song to God. And it says in verse 13, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host. In the New Living Translation, it says, the armies of heaven appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Reminds me of that song we just heard at least and I, we, uh, every once in a while, we, well, 
Every Christmas season, we choose a new CD. This one happened to be Point of Grace. It used to be one of our favorites. Point of Grace, these lovely ladies from uh, Arkansas, Wachita Baptist University. Anyway, they, uh, they have great harmony in their songs. The very first song on this Christmas album was called Angels from the Realms of Glory. Sort of, I, I wondered if the song or whatever the angels were announcing, you know, glory to God in the highest, if the, if the words sounded something like this song. It says, it says, angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight over all the earth. He, or sorry, ye, as in you all, ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim the Savior's birth. Come and worship, come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. And he says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I wanna talk about peace this morning for a little bit because the peace here that the angel's talking about, he's saying Messiah is going to bring peace, but notice how he qualifies that. He says, peace to those on whom God's favor rests rests. You know, I see it all the time. Uh, Whether people are religious or not religious, you see this sign that just says, peace on earth, peace on earth. And it always draws me back to Luke chapter two, because it does say in the text, it says peace on earth, but then it qualifies it. Where is there going to be found peace on earth? Who is going to be at peace with God? Those are the kind of questions, because this isn't talking about world peace, It's not a universal peace that's going to come upon all mankind just because Jesus is born. This is a peace that means that you and I are in a right relationship with God because we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It says, to those on whom his favor rests. Who is that? Upon whom does God's favor rest? How do you get God's favor and approval? I mean, that's the real question. The answer is, that God puts his favor upon those people who believe that Jesus is the Savior, that he's Messiah and the Lord. They believe the words that the angel proclaimed. These are the same people who put their faith and trust in Jesus to save them from their sins. So if you say, I want peace, I just, you know, somebody, somebody said that one time. He said, what are you looking for in life? R- riches, wealth, triumph over your enemies. And somebody just said, I just want peace. I just want peace. I want that, that idea that all is well. I want that. I wanted to be able to sing and mean it when I, at, at, at this point in my life. I want to be able to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. I have this shalom. I have this peace of God. So how do you get that peace? Well, you get it by being in a right relationship with God. So peace on earth uh, to those on whom his favor rests. Coming into that saving relationship by faith in Jesus, that's how we get God's peace. And so what's the reaction of the shepherds, right? They hear this announcement, the angels show up. I love to go back to that graphic where all the angels are there and the shepherds are just overwhelmed. Boom, this amazing story. Yes, thank you. They, they, they see this amazing announcement. They're blown away and then You know, the angels go back into heaven. I don't know how they do that. There's another dimension out there somewhere that we're not aware of, that they're traveling through back and forth from heaven to earth. And now the shepherds are left there and it's quiet again. It's probably really quiet now. Probably seems like, did you see what I see? Did 
did, was that just me or was that for real? And there's no, I saw it too, I saw it too. So what are they going to do? They say, we got to go verify. So it wasn't for them seeing as believing, but for the shepherds now seeing as verifying because the angel actually gave them a clue. It says, you need to go check it out for yourself. Because this, what I just announced for you, it really happened. This is history. This isn't some idea. This isn't some wish fulfillment. This is history that just happened right here in your hometown. So seeing is verifying. So in verse 15, the shepherds respond. They say, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that, the Lord, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the angel basically said, here's your sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And so the shepherds are like, now, you know what? I figured a junior high group. It says, guess what? We're going on a scavenger hunt. We're going on a scavenger hunt, and we're going to see this Christ child. Now, what were the clues again? What were we looking for? We're looking for a baby. Yeah, we got to find a baby. It has to be a male baby. It has to be lying in a feeding trough, lying in a manger, Wow, where are we going to find that? So Bethlehem, not being that big of a town, they probably didn't have too many places to search. But they searched around, and they finally found him. They hurried off, verse 16. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, and now this is one of my favorite parts, being a pastor, a preacher, being somebody who likes to share his faith, I, li I love this because what we see now is that the shepherds became the very first evangelist of the Christmas story. Because look what they had. When they had seen him, so now they're witnesses. Now it wasn't just, wow, we had this experience of angels. Was that real or not? Was, it, was this some ecstatic experience? Or was, did this really happen? Then they go on this scavenger hunt all throughout Bethlehem, finally reach to the point where Jesus was. And it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what... They had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. They were astonished. They were stunned. They discovered that it happened just as the angel told them. God's word, God's word came to pass. His redemptive plan is now in motion, and they break out in praise to God, and that was good news. In fact, for them, it was like, hey, this is good news. Remember, it says, good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people, well, hey, if you didn't see the angels like we did, if you haven't seen the Christ child, the Messiah right here born in our, in our hometown, I got to tell you. So these, these shepherds had this good, great experience and it was meant to share. Good news is always meant to share. You never want to keep good news to yourself. If you just got 90% off on some deal on Amazon and there was more available, wouldn't you tell somebody? Come on. You'd say, I got this amazing deal. You'd, if you do something like that for Amazon, you'd certainly do this for something vastly more important than this. These shepherds, remember, lowly, non-respected, socially marginalized men, they became the first evangelist of the Christian story. God had given them good news, verified it by visiting this cave with Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus, and now they go out joyfully telling everyone who would listen what they'd just seen and heard. Sharing that experience is what makes them witnesses. So when somebody says, you need to be a witness, it's like saying, I need to share what God has done in my life. I need to say, this was where I was, this is when I met Jesus, and this is the difference that Jesus is making in my life. When you do that, you become a witness, just like these shepherds. 
going back to the first days of your own Christian journey, you know, where, from whom did you hear the gospel story? How did you even hear the story of Jesus? How did you even hear the good news message? Who was the person? Who was the messenger, like the shepherd or like the angel in your life, who first told you about Jesus? Have you ever stopped to say, I got to go back and thank that person? Have you ever thanked them for sharing the good news of Christ with you? Let's go to our application. This is at the bottom of your uh, bulletins. You fill in a few words. Some of you guys wait all morning just to get to this point. Yippee. Get to fill in the blanks. Okay. So application. The rest of you guys are like, is there, is there a bulletin? I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, so when we say we refer to your bulletin, it doesn't mean a whole lot. So the application for this morning, number one, think about the shepherds and think about the effect that it had on them. What effect has the good news of Christ's birth had on you, right? What effect has it had on you? Um, does it give you an awakened sense of joy to say glory to God? God is not silent. God is not, he hasn't just created the world and then gone away and left us to ourselves. God has cared for us enough. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Jesus has come. He's come to be our Savior. That ought to fill us with joy and, and happiness. Glory to God in the highest. We ought to be saying what the angels say. Do you have an awakened sense of joy? Do you have a great hope for the future? God's kingdom has come, and I am a part of it, and I'm in God's family forever. I am a soldier in his army. I am an ambassador in his kingdom realm, and God is, has given me this job to do, and when that time comes when my job and my task that he's given me to do on earth is finished, then I get to go be with him in his heavenly kingdom forever and ever. We have a great hope for the future. So we say in our prayers, we say, Lord, your kingdom come. And wherever that kingdom comes, yes, when his kingdom comes in the hearts and lives of men and women and boys and girls, in those places, there will be peace on earth. Then the third question is, are you thankful? Are you thankful to God for sending you a savior? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So that's the first question. The second one is, when God gives you good news that changes your life, he basically says, don't keep it to yourself. Don't hoard it. Don't be a hoarder. You don't want to have one of those homes, those spiritual homes. It's, you've taken in Bible study after Bible study and message after message and praise song after worship song and hymn, and it's, and it's just hoarded all inside yourself. It's meant to share. We're supposed to be witnesses. So he wants you and me, when we have that good news that has changed our lives, he wants you to go and tell somebody. Do you remember the song that we sing every Christmas? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And then question number three, who? So if it says, am I supposed to go and tell somebody? Hopefully, I think of somebody who doesn't yet know the good news, who doesn't yet know the Savior, who needs to know that the good news of great joy is for all the people. It's for that person too. It's not just for me. Who would you like to tell what Jesus has done for you? Who is that person? Maybe you can think about it. Maybe write it down on your bulletin and says, you know, before today is over, before Christmas is over, I'm going to share with somebody what Christ has done in my life. Because it has changed my life. 
Let's go ahead and pray together. Will you bow your heads, please? Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor for sending us your son, for sending us this grace gift that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve. In fact, the only reason Jesus came was because we were sinners out of a right relationship with you in need of forgiveness. And so thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to us. And yes, Lord, we, we know it happened a long time ago. It happened on another continent in another language to another group of people originally. But Lord, we are grateful this morning because as the angel said, Jesus is great news. This good news is for all the people. And Lord, that includes us. And I want to speak to anyone here today who's watching or listening with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, if, or, or to this person, today, if you recognize that Jesus is more than just a little baby born in a stable, if you recognize that he is the Savior, that he's Messiah, that he's the one who's come to rescue us from our sins, to bring us into that relationship with God. Lord, if today is your day and you want to trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then I ask you to pray with me. Just say these words to God. Something like this. He says, Lord, I, I need you in my life. God, I thank you for giving your life when you died on the cross for my sins. And I turn away from my old way of life. I turn toward you in faith and I trust in you to be my Savior and Lord. And I ask you to help me. Help me from today forward. Help me to, to make a change in my life to start living the way that you want me to live in a right relationship with you. God, I receive you into my life as my forgiver and as the leader Lord, I pray you help me to walk in your ways. Help me to walk in the path that you want me to go from today forward. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me, bring the Holy Spirit into my life so that I could be empowered to live the kind of life that you ask me to live. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the good news being effective in my life even today. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For the rest of us, I just pray that we'll have the same contagious joy and enthusiasm that the shepherds have, that we go out here from today and we just can't wait to share with others what we are learning about Messiah, about our Savior, and to be reminded of their exuberant example.